Hey hustlers, welcome to the Hustle Show audio experience. Real, no filter conversations with successful entrepreneurs where we go over the harsh truth nobody told you about being an entrepreneur. And now, your host, Christian Ariola. Hey hustlers, welcome to episode number 48 of the Hustle Show. Thank you so very much for tuning in to another amazing story that we're going to share with you. Remember here, we share it the way it is. No filter, raw conversations with amazing people, amazing stories about the harsh reality that nobody told you about being an entrepreneur. And today is no different. I mean, today we're going to share another one that I think you're going to like a lot. And before we do, I want to make sure that you hit the subscribe button right now, whether you're watching this in our YouTube channel or you're listening on the go on our podcast audio experience, make sure you hit that subscribe button as we will continue to create top-notch motivational content for you. So hit it right now and let's let's get with today's story. So today, Daniel Amiduri is joining us. And a little bit for you to understand a little bit about Daniel. So he comes from futuremoneytrends.com. And when I, when I met him through email, I asked him, you know, why are you a successful hustler? And this was his quote-unquote response. He said, I don't believe in problems, only solutions. I don't accept the idea of having bad news. There is a solution and opportunity in everything we do. What makes us a hustler is having the confidence that you can overpromise and overdeliver. So, Daniel, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. Looking forward to it. I'm super excited, man. I really like that answer for that question um, because really, you know, what we do in life, even though a lot of entrepreneurs are a lot of want to, want to be entrepreneurs, aspiring entrepreneurs, they don't really understand how entrepreneurship, how business works. A lot of people think that is, you know, you make money out of the nowhere when in reality, what you should be doing is solving problems. Absolutely. So how did you get, how did you get into entrepreneurship? Share with us a little bit about the, the story there. You know, I can go back to when I was a young boy. I was always fascinated with money and always fascinated with entrepreneurship. Used to, um, get in trouble at school for selling pencils out of my backpack or candy. And then later on in life, uh, uh, when I became a teenager, uh, made money putting Christmas lights up at houses at age 18, got out of high school, bought my first rental property in Southern California at age 18. Uh, and then just kept buying and just never stopped and got in and got into some ownership of some gyms and really just was always fascinated with business and building and, 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 and stacking cash flow was never interested in materialism was always focused on building something long-term building something large. Um, and always focused on, on, on that spirit that just, man, it just fed me, uh, when I would do a business or when I would start a business, that was like the most exciting part of a business. Actually, it's kind of sad, but when you have a full functioning business after, you know, five, 10 years, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a slow growth business. Now, when you first start them, that's when all the exciting stuff is it's like a river. Um, so, uh, for me, it, it, it started at a young age. I was always fascinated with, with business and always interested in making money. That's about right. And, and one of the things that, you know, how, uh, you know, it's, it's very common nowadays, like trying to find yourself, trying to find that one thing that is, is your passion. And it, and I don't know if it's for good or bad, but like one of my passions is starting businesses. Like it gets me so excited. But at the same time, when that excitement starts to go down, it's hard to bring it back up. You know, you just want to jump into the next thing, jump into the next train, whatever trend is coming your way. 
So it, it sounds like you were like this. How were you able to kind of stick to your, your guts and try to stick to the one business that you were trying out and, and you were trying to build? Well, one thing I learned in life, and it took a while, um, and even people had told me to it, but I still didn't learn it until I had to experience it. But you'll make the most, most of your money will come from what you are an expertise in or how you make money. You know, people are always looking for ways to make new money. But really, the, that person in the mirror is always going to be your, your best return on, on capital. And so I would try different businesses. And I used to love getting into the idea of getting into different sectors. And I would be successful in the publishing business specifically. And then I would, you know, I have a partner and we were like, let's go find, um, you know, a different brick and mortar type business that we can buy. And we'd evaluate them. But in the end, it always came back to, I, can, I can't do anything right now in my mind to make more money than what I do right now. And so that was just doubling down on what we do. And so, okay, so how do we make more money doing what we already do? And it, it, it really became this passion and driven and just company attitude of we always over promise and we always over deliver. And it's, it's putting our backs against the wall, um, putting ourselves in situations that forces us to have that, Uh, growth forces us to come up with those new ideas. When you promise a client that you're going to be able to deliver on something or you build a, a goal, an exceptional goal, like at futuremoneytrends.com, we're trying to create a thousand millionaires over the next two years. When you create those type of goals and you're focused on it and you have to figure out, okay, now I've just told a thousand people we're going to help them become millionaires. They're actually a lot more than a thousand. I just think that a thousand will you come out at the other end, but how do I deliver that? How, where do I find the cash flow ideas, the speculative investment ideas that they'll need to, to push forward? And that that's what's the fun part now is, is, is just making sure we always over deliver and we thrive off of over delivering. That makes sense. And, and what got you involved into real estate to begin with? What's the story with that? You know, real estate, like a lot of people, are, there's a fascination because it's big numbers and you can use leverage. I can control a $100,000 asset with $10,000. And um, I, I read a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad when I was a teenager. And, you know, Robert Kiyosaki was into real estate. And then I had a mentor in a gym and he was also into real estate. So it was kind of, you know, something I, I saw that I could do. Uh, I... I started buying real estate rental properties when I was 18 years old because I didn't know that you weren't supposed to be able to. So when I would buy this, uh, you know, I had about this Carlton Sheets thing when I was like 16 years old and talked about creative financing. That's what I did. I did creative financing. I did no money down for the first three or four properties. I borrowed the realtor's uh, commission. She was a broker. I actually borrowed the broker's commission as my down payment on my second property. Um, I've done all sorts of seller finance deals, you name it, I've structured them. And I've done very few conventional financing loans. I have done some, but uh, for the most part, I, I, I don't even think I have a conventional mortgage right now, probably some seller finance mortgage. But um, I, I just always like to make the deals happen. And um, I guess it was a blessing in disguise that I did not learn conventional type of real estate investing because I probably would have hit walls. Uh, with conventional financing, um, I just immediately went out and just did it. Yeah, yeah, that that that's about you know right and and that's that's when the 
knowing yourself comes in, you know, that you knew that that's what you like and that's where you double down. And, and it's, it's a fascinating story to hear how people get into real estate, even though, um, you know, depending on how, how, where you look at it, you know, some people say it's easy. Some people say it's too hard, I guess, depending on your strengths or not. But when you were starting out, I mean, it sounds like you kind of had that mentality and the mindset, even without knowing it, you were ready to, to hit it hard. How were those first six months when you barely started investing in real estate? How were those first six months in the business? Well, one thing that stands out in the first six months is um, I was only 18 years old and I remember meeting the tenants for my first time that were going to be my first renters. And I was a little intimidated and I could tell that they were, they were, uh, you know, seeing this kid, you know, get out of the car. So I hate to say it. I'm going to be honest. I lied. I told them that I was the landlord's nephew. So one of the things I, because I was just, I just had looked like a little baby out of high school <laughs> and I was worried that they might try to take advantage of me, of course. So I told them I was just there to collect the rent for the, for my uncle. And, um, you know, that's, that was the relationship I had with them for like three years. It was horrible. Like it was, I felt horrible about it in hindsight, but at the time it's, I just did it because I, I had a young face and I wanted to be able to, uh, have, you know, a more fair conversation with tenants who were probably in their forties or fifties. And then another thing in real estate in, in the first six months uh, was the, 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 the walls that I did hit with mortgage brokers. But I was able to find a few mortgage brokers in the business who were, who were favorable to creative financing. So it was interesting as an 18-year-old to find so many people close-minded to seller finance deals or realtors who wanted nothing to do with putting in lowball offers. So that was probably the first six months was just realizing that Nobody wanted to cooperate with me in trying to do things that were out of the ordinary. And I think any leader or anybody who's trying to have some financial success or whatever they're trying to do, you're going to find that you're, you're alone. Now, there are others of us out there. All of them are listening to this podcast spread out across the world. Um, so we're out here, but you're going to find that the, your, your average person that you'll talk to, your friends, your neighbors they don't have that same vision and that's what you have to overcome is that they don't have that same vision and they're not going to have that same vision and that's okay so you know whether you're dealing with with real estate or another business um you know in real estate i had to deal with that most realtors wanted nothing to do with my type of investing they wanted you know somebody to come in there and give them 30 percent down so and and Sadly, and this happens a lot in life, because that's the only thing they'd ever worked with, they believed that was the only way to do it. So when I actually approached them about doing zero down at the time or creative financing, they were like, that's, there's no such thing. And of course, I had to just not stop. And that's the only way it could be done. Is that something, because that's, that's something that calls my attention, like the way you did it, the way that you were able to start into real estate investing and all this thing, is that something that anybody can get into or is it like super hard or to learn or so there's like a secret that only a few uh, people in the world know or what's the deal there? I think anyone can make money in real estate and everybody should make some money in real estate. It's a great diversification for, for investments. Now, I think the people who are going to make the most money are the people who are going to put their whole life into it, that this is what I do. They're going to burn all the bridges behind them. And they're like, I'm into real estate, whether it's being a realtor, a broker, property manager, or a wholesaler, um, which might be the most profitable way to do it. But um, anybody can do it. If you're listening to this and, and you got ruined credit, look, look for seller finance deals. 
I promise you they're out there. You just got to look for them. Uh, they're, you know, everywhere I've done them in California, Nevada, Tennessee, Indiana, Texas, uh, they're out there. So you can look for a seller finance deal. You can also, you know, you have to really be open-minded, especially if you're in a hole where you might need to come in with a partner. You know, I got to tell you the, the coolest thing about working, uh, as you create, as you, as you make more money as, and you work with, with larger companies or, or wealthier individuals is you'll find that rich people really just want to keep getting rich. And so one thing, if you're broke and you don't have any money, partner with somebody who has money and you're going to say, well, how do I reach out to those people? Look, I'm telling you, rich people, wealthy people, investors are always looking for a deal. You can get the deal, whether it's in real estate or, or business. And once you have that deal, that's your ticket. Put an ad on Craigslist that you're looking for a partner. Do a YouTube video. You know, look look for people in, in your area or people you might even know. Uh, but the fact of the matter is every single person who's wealthy, if you present them an idea that they can make money, they're going to do it. And that's how you could find a partner. But you could also just do creative financing. There are many ways to make money in real estate. The The important thing is just to make sure that you're, you're going to have positive cash flow and that you're not investing for appreciation. Appreciation is without a doubt how you're going to make the most money in real estate over the long term but it can't be the reason and the why you're buying it. Because if you do that, you could end up in a, in a cash crunch. That makes sense. And you mentioned earlier the book of, of Robert Kiyosaki, the, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I think that was the very first book that I read when I got the spirit fired up. Um, I think I was like 20 back in the day when I read that book too. And I remember like it was yesterday when I read the phrase of how he got a he he got the opportunity of somebody was selling some land and he knew somebody else who might be interested so he put i think he put like $5000 just to hold the property he called the other guy he's like give me 50000 and the land is yours and he said i made 50000 in a day i can't mm -hmm. you know it's one of those things that i will never forget like it it's it's mind blowing and that's what a real estate wholesaler is that's really like they all they are and there's they're in every major city they, they just find the deals, they lock them up, and they hand it over to somebody else on a silver platter. <laughs> wow. You know, and we're, 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 everybody else is just trying to complicate things, trying to figure out how to make a few thousand dollars. And it's really, you know, just being creative, you know, getting out there, getting to connect with people. Um, you know, what would you say, like, what's like the step one to get into this real estate business? You know, I would say reading a simple book. You don't have to read, uh, you know, a, a specific book or, or a cl class or a course, but you certainly need to open your mind that there is a whole nother world out there. So if you're, if you're on, you know, whether you're Googling a, a report or going down to Barnes and Noble, look at wholesaling. They might even call it bird dogging, but look at those type of transactions. They're very easy. Um, don't, don't be overwhelmed with contracts. You'd be surprised what, what's legal. I mean, you could literally write a contract on a, on a sheet of paper and have somebody sign it and it's a contract. So don't, don't feel like you need to have, you know, 40 pages and you know, you're, you're a broker. Uh, so that was the first step is just education. The next step would be to find out what area you want to focus on and that, and then pound that area, know everything about that area, knock on doors. If you need to really get out there. Um, I've knocked on tons of doors looking for foreclosures, looking for deals. Um, and realize that the best opportunities are going to be, you know, 
you know, with other people who are already out there. So the first thing I do uh, with, with certain areas that I like, I, t I call the, the best realtors in the area. And of course, those are the ones we have most traffic and let them know what you're looking for. So in my, my case, I always tell them I want, I want what nobody else can buy. I want a foundation problem. I want a kitchen that blew up. I want a house that's structurally not sound. And I've given my number to about six different brokers. I literally just went to a house yesterday to look at one that's a foundation problem, probably a complete teardown. And that's the deals I'm looking for because if you're, you're going to be the paint carpets and blinds person, that's what everybody's going to do. Um, you have to find a niche. And if you really want to have a, a creative financing deal where you do your own deal um, and you're not just looking for it on Craigslist for somebody advertising it, you find problem, you find properties that can't, people can't get loans for like what I was just describing. So one thing uh, about a foundation problem is no mortgage, mortgage company will loan money to a house that has a foundation problem. Uh, so you find a house like that, for example, you find the owner. And once you've found the owner, whether you're writing them a letter or looking them up in public uh, directory, um, you structure some sort of deal. Like, look, you, you know, I, I can, I can create a contract, give me, uh, an option to buy it or, or, or let me assume the note. Let me do a wrap around mortgage for a year and a half, two years while I fix it and flip it. You know, you can create something directly with the owner. He has nothing to lose, right? Because, or, or she has nothing to lose because the house is sitting there with a foundation probably not a single person can get a loan for it. So you can create those win-wins. Other areas, you know, I've let realtors know that if there's a divorce sale that needs to be expedite it. And where my advantage comes in, and this might not be people, a person listening to this show, but you might know somebody if you can get the right deal. If, even me, email me at Future Money Trends if you've got a great real estate deal. But um, uh, one ability of, of one competitive advantage that I have created as a buyer, and this is of course me in my mid thirties, not as a 20 year old, uh, is that I can close the deal in you know three days? I've I've had them I've had them call me on Wednesday and you know because I'm 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 just wiring cash, and that is a competitive advantage. You know if a divorce has let this thing go all the way to foreclosure or something, you know all of a sudden it becomes an urgent situation and nobody's worried about profit at this point. Everybody just wants to get this foreclosure off their name. So, you know find out what your competitive advantages are. Again, I strongly recommend people focus on partnering with people, and I I can tell you every city in the United States has a few real estate investors who are the big whales in that city. You don't need to steal business from them. You just need to know their number because when you find some business, hand it to that guy, he'll take it. That makes sense, man. And I appreciate, you know, the honesty and the tips, you know, everybody that is listening, that is interested in getting into um, real estate investing and, and all this craziness that, that you have going on. It's, it's amazing. And I want to look back a little bit on on this story that you're sharing as well. Do you ever had one of those moments where you're investing, you know, the business and everything that you were doing got a little too crazy or too tough on you that you thought about quitting and maybe start doing something else, maybe a job or maybe another business? Absolutely. Yeah, I can tell you in in 2008, uh, which led to the Future Money Trends letter because I had created um, a YouTube channel that was forecasting the crisis. I was telling everybody that was going to collapse and Lehman Brother was going to go out. I, I felt this because I was knocking on doors at foreclosures. But I went and went big in the real estate market in Southern California because I had confused a bull market with brains. And that can happen. 
you know, it's, it happens right now. People buying Bitcoin, everybody thinks they're a Bitcoin trader. And it's going straight up. Same thing in the stock market. And that's what happened to me as an 18 year old buying real estate in Southern California in the year 2000. Imagine how that jaded my brain by the time we got to 2007. I thought I was pretty smart, right? Because I had investing the whole time the market's going like this straight up. And so in 2007, I bought as many homes as I could smart enough to realize that the real estate market was cracking, but thinking I was smart enough to actually get these homes and get out. And I ended up with a ton of foreclosures imploded my entire life financially. And here I went from being, you know, a success story to somebody who was absolutely depressed and absolutely gave up on even trying to be rich. I was, I was over it. I felt like I had, I had had my chance. I had really screwed it up and kid is on the way. Wife's a school teacher and it's over. It's my chance to get rich is behind me. I need to get a job. And I did 2009. Again, think of the mindset. United States is essentially in a depression, uh, foreclosures, real estate market is wrecked. So that was what I was doing. So I got a job at a grocery store. I was working at nights and um, doing, still doing my YouTube channel, talking about the economy. And then my wife was like, you really should start a newsletter because it's something you're passionate about. After ignoring her for over a year, finally started a, 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 a letter, was able to quit the grocery job. Wife was able to quit the teaching job. Um, and then it just took off from there and it, and I've never looked back. And now and that was in 2010 when I started the future money trends letter with my cousin, Kenny, and we now have five letters, uh, you know, fairly sizable publishing company. We have several employees, several people we work with, and, um, it's, it's, uh, just the biggest blessing. I literally wake up every day. Um, first of all, most important thing, wake up when I'm done sleeping. I think that's like the most like treasured asset I have in my life. <laughs> and then, um, uh, you know, do my hobby. I read, I study, and then I tell everybody what I've heard about either cash flow ideas or speculative ideas or just personal finance journeys. So, you know, that is, um, I don't even remember what the question was, but that's where I am today. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome, man. No, yeah, that's exactly what I was looking for. I mean, you know, the, the, we all go through the struggles, the roller coaster, the ups and downs and, and everything as an entrepreneur. It's always fascinated to me to hear what other people go through and how they overcome it because it's not, it's not how hard life punches, but it's actually that you're able to pick up yourself and stand up and then keep going, you know, so kudos to you for doing that. And, and you were talking a little bit about the, your new lifestyle. So I want to compare it a little bit. You know, what does a Monday look like for you nowadays versus back in the day when you were hustling, when you were out there knocking on doors? You know, Monday through Friday, um, it's, it's pretty much the same. Wake up when I'm done sleeping. I usually spend the first hour of the day with the family. We like to have a French press coffee. We like to relax. I have a real lazy morning, not like a lot of uh, hustlers out there. Um, wasn't always like that. I used to wake up at, you know, four in the morning, but, uh, you know, usually like to lounge around with the kids. My kids are homeschooled. I have a three-year-old, a six-year-old and an eight-year-old hang out at the house for a little bit. And then usually around, um, nine to nine 30, I'll sit down and then I start reading and that's the best part, right? So like, it's not like I'm going into some hectic office. 
I'm just sitting there reading for two hours. I either read a book or I'll read news depending on what I'm looking for. If I'm looking for new investment ideas, I'm probably reading the news and reading different content on the internet. Uh, if I'm just looking to, you know, kind of expand my, my knowledge base, um, you know, right now I'm on a real Roman history kick. And then, uh, I always like reading some sort of thing about monetary history or the future of technology because very optimistic about the future as a millennial, especially. So that's what the day looks like. And then we'll, I'll write a letter. I'll, I'll speak to several uh, people who email us. And then I also have a few different partners who work with me in the publishing industry. And we talk about different types of uh, trends, different investment ideas that are working for others. Um, and I also love, and this is like so selfish, but it's like, what I get to do for everybody who's subscribed to Future Money Trends, I test investment ideas. So there's a ton of stuff going on with fintech right now, like Lending Club and Pure Street, Fundrise. You know, I'll, I'll throw some money at those. And then six months goes by and I might write about my experience or sometimes I've waited a whole an entire year, like with Lending Club, because I was really concerned about that one or Pure Street. But you know, I get to write reviews and say, hey, everybody, look, here's my experience. And it's so cool because I get to like screenshot. I'm like, here, here's exactly how it worked here. Here's how many loans I made. Here's how many defaults happened. Here's how, you know, how much income was generated or the yield was, was, was averaged out to. And so that's probably one of the funnest things that I get to do is I get to experiment on all these money-making ideas. And when one makes money and gets my attention, and I get to pass it on to everybody at Future Money Trends. It's awesome, man. That sounds like a lot of fun too. You know, you're 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 testing, you're having fun, and then you're creating content on top of that. Um, you know, it's it's basically like what I'm doing right now. You know, this is having fun. Absolutely. I mean, we were we were talking about it earlier. You know, the the uh, the the podcasts. You know, you get to reach out to people. I've I've reached out. I don't know about you, but I've reached out to billionaires and gotten replies back and interviewed them. I you know my favorite author. Now, when I read a book, instead of putting it away for the next twenty years. I look at look at it and I search see if the guy's got a Twitter or a, or an email, and I email them and ask them if I can interview them. And sometimes they say yes, sometimes they say no. Right? Yeah, it's definitely a an icebreaker for sure. <laughs> yeah, a absolutely. Now is a better time to be an entrepreneur. As anybody listening to the show, my goodness, with the internet, uh, it's never been a better time to be an entrepreneur. And I know a lot of millennials are frustrated that they get out of college and the jobs aren't there, and and you know the cubicle is not waiting for you, but that's okay. Just dust it off. Let it go. You, there's, there's such a better life for you that, that awaits you that can, you can have it. And, um, you know, it's, we're already moving into the freelance economy and the freelance economy is just like a, it's, you're just a business, you know, and look a hundred years ago, everybody was, it was the freelance economy. And, you know, we had about a 30 year experiment of corporate America and the corporate ladder and pensions. And turns out the experiment is, is, is kind of busting on people. And we're going back to that freelance economy where in the end, no matter what you do, it's about how much value you can deliver to another person. And if you can deliver it to a lot of people, you can make more money. Yeah, absolutely, man. So it looks like you've come a long way, you've done a lot of things, but I want to hear from you and, and, and hear your input. What do you think is the one thing that, that gave you the success that you have so far, the, the one strength, the one weakness, the one, whatever you want to call it, that got you to where you are right now? You know, it, it was in that answer. And it's, it's my brain is hardwired into despising problems or the idea that there are problems. I really do believe there is a solution to everything. 
And, you know, it was something that was probably uh, put in by my father. Uh, he never allowed us to quit and never allowed us to give up on anything. And of course, you know, sometimes as a child, you want to just not be doing something and he just never let us quit. And it was just not in his system. Uh, he was, uh, he's passed now, but he was 70 years old, riding 85, 90 mile uh, long bike rides. I mean, this person was not a quitter. So that's what he taught me. And so that is probably, um, you know, the most important thing I can say is, is that, that no problem that would come to us. And some of them were a big, uh, we overcame because so many, there's so many things out there as an entrepreneur, you have to, you have to deal with, um, you know, com competition. First of all, you have to make sure your customers are happy. And then, Oh, guess what? You get a letter from the IRS or the, or some other government regulatory agency. And if you're like me, like, I just want to curl up in a ball and hide when I see paperwork. So when the IRS or, or a regulatory body asks you for paperwork, you're like, oh, crap. You know, I don't keep track of all this stuff. So there's all kinds of things that come and you just have to overcome and keep going. Because I honestly believe, because I'm not anybody special, I'm not that smart. I honestly believe that if you just don't stop, you can become successful. I really do. I believe if you just refuse to just let this go, like most people are like, I want to be a millionaire. And then they wake up the next day and they, they let it go. Or some people make the commitment, I want to be a millionaire. And they work at it for three months, six months, and then they give up. But then there's the guy who just like, I'm just not going to give up. I'm just not going to stop. And maybe it takes five years. Maybe it takes 10 years. But I'm telling you, it can happen a lot faster than most people think, especially if you're committed. Because uh, if you're committed and you're not wasting money, you can become wealthier even faster. Wow. Such powerful words, man, for sure. And and I want to I want to change gears a little bit here from talking about your story to what I like to call the hustle round. We're going to play this little word game. I'm going to throw a word at you. Whatever first word comes to mind, that's we're going to say out loud. Does that sound like a plan? Just one word? Just one word. Try okay. to stick to one. All right. Ready? Hustle. Hard work. Employee. Hate it. Boss. Happy. College. Despise it. Fear. Overcome. Weakness. Strength. Strengths. Delivering. Motivation. Tony Robbins. Books. Kiyosaki. And last but not least, Daniel Amiduri. Future money trends. It's an awesome. easy one. It's something to promote. <laughs> For sure. All right. So um, I want to give you a few seconds. Uh, if you want to, if you don't mind just sharing a little motivation to the hustlers that are listening, maybe they started their business. They're not at the point of where they want to be. Maybe they have a corporate job. They have a side gig going on. What would you say to them to inspire them to keep pushing, to keep hustling? Guys, less than 10 years ago, um, I imploded my whole life in the financial sector and had zero less than 10 years ago. Uh, my wife and I went into a bankruptcy attorney to see what our options were. Uh, less than six years ago, uh, I had just started or seven years ago. I just started my business. Um, six years ago, became a millionaire years ago, probably became a decamillionaire at some point. I'm just telling you, I'm nobody special. I didn't even go to college. Um, find out what you want to do. 
find out what your life's purpose is. I always tell people, uh, what do you want people to say at your fun funeral? Narrow it down to like three things. I guarantee you those three things, what you want to be remembered for is your, is what you want to live for. That's your life's passion. That's your life's purpose. What are three things you want people to say about you at your funeral? That's where you're going to find your life's purpose and your life's passion. And I'm just telling you, this can be done. My wife and I, we saved a lot of money. Uh, and I'm saying like we percentage wise, not just a lot of money. And we saved money. We, we did creative things. We, we did something as crazy as we got rid of our dogs we had for seven years because they had vet bills and we just didn't want to deal with the expenses. That's hard. That's not normal. Um, we stopped eating meat, stopped eating out. We shopped at certain grocery stores because we knew they were, you know, had very, very good, you know, cheap produce. I mean, there are, there is that commitment and there is that doing, I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm, I'm just a regular guy who just stayed focused and just did it. And, um, I think you can do it. I did in less than five years. So I think if you're really focused, I mean, if, if you're willing to be the, the millionaire who drives a 2003 Nissan Altima, and that's what I did today. I drive an Escalade cause I like a little more comfort, but I'm telling you, even when I cross that million mark, and even when I made, you know, half a million dollars in a year or something on income, I was still focused. I didn't stop or even take a break until I had hit a certain specific number, which was my freedom number. And that's what I think you should focus on and just don't let it go. Forget about what everybody else is doing um, from financing their cars to financing their homes. Forget about it. That's not normal. Don't do it. Don't participate in it. Your life is finite. So that would be my motivation is that don't, don't waste your time. You only have the one life to live. That's awesome, man. I appreciate the honesty and the tips and everything that you're saying. And I just want to make sure that people can connect with you and follow you. What are you up to? Uh, you know, just, just stay in touch with you. How can they do so? How can they find out more about you? If you go to futuremoneytrends.com, you can subscribe free. We provide weekly wealth, our weekly wealth digest, uh, passive income ideas, as well as any new income ideas I stumble across. Uh, advertisers on the website pay the bills. So don't worry about ever paying for anything. You're not going to get upsold into another newsletter. Subscribe to Future Money Trends and enjoy my hobby with me. That's awesome, man. And I want to thank you so very much for being here, sharing your story, being very honest and transparent with us, talking about your five-year, 10-year overnight success that not everybody is willing to talk about. So I really appreciate it. And I wish you nothing but success. And to everybody that is listening, make sure you know you can go to the hustleshow.co slash THS48, and they will be one click away to connecting with you. Great show. Thank you very much. Guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the Hustle Show audio experience. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And even if you didn't, make sure you subscribe to the podcast right now. It's still free. Visit thehustleshow.co for all the show notes and to watch the video experience of this episode. We'll see you soon.